Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Post the season previews. Uh, this week we've got our final preview before the season kicks off on Friday, and we've got four teams on the show tonight to take you through their pre-seasons and what we can expect from the season ahead. So first we've got uh, David representing Watford. David, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yep, very good, thanks. And uh, very pleased to have you with us. Uh, alongside David now we've got uh, Mike representing Brighton. Hello. Hello, Mike. How's things on the on the south coast? It's lovely. Ah, well, it's not lovely up here, but it never is. Oh. Uh, and uh, slightly further along the south coast, making his return to the man on the post, is uh, Alex Stewart. Alex, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, Alex is uh, Southampton, for those of you who don't remember. And uh, later on in the show, we'll have Ian King here to talk Tottenham. Um, okay, so to begin with, uh, let's start with uh, with you, David, with Watford. Um, because... For my money, it seems like it's been a pretty quiet summer at, Vic- at, uh, at Vicarage Road, with, with only really Craig Dawson in. Um, uh, is that what you'd hoped for, or are you expecting more to come over the next couple of days? Well, yeah, it has been a quiet summer so far. You're right, the, the only real arrival, senior sort of player arrival, is Craig Dawson from West Brom, which we're pretty happy with. We, we needed a you know, another sort of solid... Premier League experienced centre-back to, to go alongside Craig Cathcart. I think he'll slot in there pretty seamlessly, hopefully, and provide us with a bit of a threat from set-pieces as well, which we've, which we've lacked a little bit in, in the last few seasons. Um, but being quiet isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I think a lot of Watford fans were probably a little bit concerned that we might lose a couple of our key players, namely Abdullah Decore, who is still being linked with a potential late move to Everton. And also there were a few few reports earlier in the summer that some of the Italian clubs might be looking at Gerard Delefeo, who was our top scorer last season and our, our hero at Wembley in the semi-final. So, so it, it being quiet isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and we are still hopeful. Um, the club seems to be very hopeful of bringing in the uh, Senegalese winger Ismail Assar from Rennes um, before the transfer window shuts on Thursday. What would be a would absolutely smash our transfer records to pieces by the looks of things. I think it's going to be about 35 million, um, including add-ons, once it all gets sorted. Um, and he looks really exciting from from the bits I've seen in a few clips from okay. the exploits in Europe last season. So it's been quiet, but hopefully there'll be a little bit more before the, uh, the deadline's done on Thursday. So do you think the plan is for him to play down one side with Pereira on the other, or is it just... Uh... Well, I think he'll give us a bit of variation. Um the, the formation and the style that Javi Gracia has, has played last season was was quite a narrow one. The, the midfield four were, you know, Pereira and Will Hughes were normally the wide players left and right. And 
especially Hughes, he would always tend to sort of come in off the touchline and join in with a, with a central play. And Pereira, a bit more of a traditional wide player, but he's, he's, he wasn't really a, he's more of a kind of you know tricky sort of winger rather than a blistering sort of pace kind of wide man who would be really stretching the play. Uh, and he's got a patchy record of injuries and, and his form sort of dropped off as well towards the end of the season. So I think they're looking for a, another option in those areas and, and somebody with real genuine pace because apart from Delefeo, we don't really have anyone who can really, really worry teams on the counter-attack. And I think our style could be quite well suited to playing on the counter-attack and an extra player like Saar who, who can help that sort of transition from defence to attack is what they're looking for. Yeah, and it's the teams. Something I wanted to ask you about really was, was you mentioned Delefeo there. When he has a good game, it feels like everybody notices him. Um, but uh, when he has a bad game, he seems to have he seems to go missing for several months at a time. Is, yeah. that, is that fair, or is that just sort of my untrained eye? I think I think that's fair. Um, I mean, he scored twelve goals last season, so that's a pretty good return, and, and including two in the semi-final against Wolves at Wembley, one of which was a spectacular goal. Um, and it, you know, he'll forever go down in Watford history for that moment. Um, but. He, he definitely has his off days. And I think that's been, the, you, you, anyone, you know, ask Everton fans who, who saw him a few years ago, Barcelona fans, they'll all say the same thing. When he's on form, when he's playing well in a team that's playing well, he, he is a fantastic player, very, very talented player, very skillful, great finisher, very quick. Um, but when it's not going his way, it, yeah, he, he can look quite, quite bad in, indeed. And, he needs to develop that consistency. He actually played up front last season for most of the season. I suppose earlier in his career, he was seen as more of a wide player. But Gracia, I'm not sure whether he trusts him quite to play in that system, wide right or you know in the in the role that someone like Will Hughes does. He's played him centrally through the middle, and uh, that's where that's where he's been moved to as well in the fantasy Premier League, which I think has annoyed quite a lot of people who had him in last season. But um, yeah, look, he's a fantastic player. On, on, our, on his day, our, our best player. Um, and hopefully we can have a more consistent season and he can build on, on the highs of last season. So on last season, I mean, it seemed like for a while you were going to be pushing Wolves for that kind of seventh spot. Uh, and then kind of became whichever one you got to Wembley, the league was always going to be kind of sacrificed for the last few weeks. Um, which is probably only fair because you, you don't get a... a a final uh, at Wembley every every day of the, of the weekday. But uh, what would your expectation be for the season ahead? Do you think you can? I think, I think was it eleventh in the end? Do you, do you think you can push on above that, or are you happy with that and a cup run again? Well, I mean, yeah, we finished eleventh in the end, and it, it was a slight frustration. Obviously, the cup final was a, was a lovely consolation, um, putting it mildly. But we there is a, there is a new appetite from especially from the owners. Yeah, um, the chairman, Scott Duxbury, to, to try and finish seventh, to try and be, if you like, best of the rest, as, as people call it. Um, I think that's achievable. It was definitely achievable last season. It was in Watford's hands, coming off the back of the semi-final. If, if Watford had continued their form uh, you know, and won most of their games, they would have finished seventh. But the, the form just tailed off dramatically. It was, it was really the game against Arsenal, which was the, the game after the semi-final. Troy Deeney got sent off quite early on for a, a, an elbow of sorts on um, Torreira and we lost that game and it just we only won one game for the rest of the season and that was against Huddersfield who were basically down by that point so it, it, that's a bit of a familiar story at Watford in the Premier League since they've returned over the last four seasons 
the seasons always seem to start well and and just tail off tail off a bit later than usual last season so it's progress but the, the aim for I'm sure, um, the club their aim is to try and push and push and push and finish as high as possible and I'm sure that they would love to be in Europe it would be good for the club it would be good for the, the reputation of the club worldwide and in Europe but I think it's going to be really difficult for us to, to, to do that I think last season was a good chance to do it because I think if you look at those cluster of teams around us who were going for the same sort of spot Everton looked stronger Leicester looked stronger West Ham arguably look a bit stronger. Wolves just 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 as strong as last season. They've got the Europa League to contend with, but they brought in a few players. I think they'll be strong. Uh, Southampton, who I know we can talk about later. I think you know they're a team that will be better than last season. Um, so I think it'd be really difficult for us to to push up and try and finish towards seventh place or even in the top ten. But that's definitely the aim. So on that note, and I'll, I'll bring the other lads in on this. Um, how I mean, uh, for me, I think. Troy Deeney is kind of at the point now where he's almost holding you back, but he's a bit of a club legend, so you cannot really move on from him. Um, there's not that many forwards of his type now where uh, you know, kind of lays the focal point. And to look at Southampton with Charlie Austin, they've kind of got a progressive manager. They've to, it looks like they've jettisoned Charlie Austin. It's not the only one. There's a few others who, who've, who've gone the journey down there as well. But um, as well, Mike with with. Brighton, it looks like this season he may well be moving away from kind of the four-four-two hit and home mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, do you think this could be Deeney's last season at, at this level, or, do you, or have I got the wrong end of the, of the stick? Well, about I think every season for the last, well, every season this should come back into the Premier League. There's been speculation over Troy Deeney's future. A couple of times he's seemingly been close to the exit. Uh, he had a spell where he basically signed a new contract every year for five years. Um, and you know that was great for him, um, but and great for the club because I don't think really anyone wanted to see him leave. And Watford is his home. This is his tenth season. Um, yeah, as we speak today, actually, he signed nine years ago today from Walsall, um, and he is still the beating heart of the football club, really, in terms of the playing stuff. Um, he's he's yeah he's thirty one now, so. He's, he's peaked, I, I would say, that promotion season and the first season up in the Premier League was probably his sort of real peak. But he's still a very competent striker at this level, still gives us so much off the pitch as well. He's a leader. He's got such a connection with the fans. He's the captain of the club. But he is, you know, all of that stuff isn't, isn't, to, isn't to undermine his worth on the pitch. He still scores goals. He's still a good finisher. takes up penalties. You know, you can rely on him in, in the big moments. Um, he still has, like I just said earlier, still has a bit of a red mist sort of crazy moment in him as well. He's got a few red cards over the last few seasons. We all know about some of the things he can say off the pitch and get himself into a bit of trouble with the Cajones comment against Arsenal, which has since come back to haunt him every time he's played them since. He's missed a penalty, got sent off. Um, uh, so that he hasn't looked too clever for that. But, it, it, you know, you'd think logically it probably would be his last season. But, I can I can actually see Troy staying with us for his whole career, um, and maybe you know his his role might be diminished slightly as we go on. But I could see him retiring with us, or maybe his boyhood club is uh, is Birmingham. He's a Birmingham City fan. Maybe at some point, if they can sort themselves out, he might end up there. But yeah, I think definitely he's a he's big part of our plans for this season, and you know we'll see how it goes. What do you think? Uh... Mike, do you think 
it's the type of striker that you want to see at Brighton, or you, you've, obviously you've had this for a couple of years now, where you've had Glenn Murray, who's you know not, not maybe not the most mobile, but he's he's a physical kind of striker who very good inside the box. Are you happy to move on from that, or you you know want to see more of that? It's it's uh, I mean with Brighton now, it's a you know it's a bit of a a big transition. It's difficult to kind of predict how the season's going to go now because obviously we've had. Hewton, which has been very stable, you know, you know what you're getting with Hewton, and and in terms of Glenn Murray, you know, Hewton's style was very much, you know, around a striker like that usually, um, and and obviously, you know, like you say, you know, he has, he's not the most mobile, but you know, he he knows where the goal is, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, we've just obviously yesterday signed signed the new striker from Brentford, um, who's he's obviously a different type of player to see how his step up's going to go uh, from the championship up into the Premier League and whether he's going to be you know pushing to to take that starting starting role I mean with Potter it's going to be a complete change in formation by the look of it um in terms of how we have been playing it's looking like three at the back so sort of like a 3-4-3 three, three. um so whether that would lean towards someone like Murray in the middle with two either side or playing off him or whether he's going to look to completely, you know, change it, have three, you know, pacier guys up there, you know, sort of sharing the duties up there rather than the one focal in the middle. So I guess it's options. And with, with Potter, from what I've seen with him at Swansea and, and what I've been told is that he's, he's quite prone to kind of switching formations, you know, during a game as well. So it might just be that, you know, both of those players are going to be getting their chances um, depending on, you know, who the opposition is. And, and obviously... You know, it may be even how the game's going, and 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 change it over like at half time or something, which will be quite different. I mean, for for certainly the last half of last season, the second half of last season, we kind of we looked as though we had no plan B. It was very much kind of you know we'd go out, changes would kind of happen last ten fifteen minutes usually, um, which was often and and sometimes that would you know we'd start to really look much better, but it was often just too late. Yeah, and that's um, something I do worry about for Brighton as well, is that this happened with I think Stoke a number of years ago now, where they try to change too much too quickly. Um, that's my concern. I mean, it's a big gamble, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, the manager's not been in you know in the Premier League before, um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, well, it might work out. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to, to Brighton signs in a, in a little while. Um, I just want to finish with uh, with David and Watford first, though. Um, okay. Well. With obviously just a couple of days left in the window, David. Um, what do Watford need? If you had, if it was you in charge of the transfers, what, what would you be going out to get over the next couple of days? Assuming Sar's going to sign, that's all going to be fine. Well, yeah, I mean he's he's the main one that you'd be after. I think I think he will, you know, a player of that of that nature. We were also linked with um, with the lad of Newcastle signed. Is it Alan San Maximin? I might yeah, have. Yeah, I'll let you say it rather than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're clearly looking for, for somebody with a bit of flair and a bit of pace in, in, in that sort of area. So I think that's the right thing. So hopefully that gets over the line. Uh, apart from that, I, I don't think we need major major additions. It's it, all the all the stuff coming out from Gracia and the club. It, it seems to be that you know he's really happy with this group of players, and it's about trying to get the best out of them. Can he get even more out of them? Can we? improve on some of the areas that we were weak last last season the defense wobbled a bit towards in the, in the second half of the season um and as i said you know a bit of variation up front we've got we've got for my money we've got 
the kind of one of the best midfields around outside of the top six. I think if you look at our midfield options centrally, they're fantastic. Kapu was player of the season last year, uh, and he still looks in fine form pre-season. Decore has had two excellent seasons in the last two years and is attracting admirers from not just from the Premier League, but from Europe as well. Um, we've got Tom Cleverley coming back to full fitness, who is an excellent player on his day. Uh, Nathaniel Chalabar was out for, for a long time with a, with a serious injury, but before that, he looked like he was really about to kind of take the lead by storm. And if he can get back to fitness, he's a, he's a great option. So got a lot of options. We've got young Domingos uh, Kina as well, who we signed from West Ham last season. So there's a lot of options in that midfield with Will Hughes as well. Um, it was an embarrassment of riches, really. Mm. Um, we've shored up the defence with Craig Dawson. Um, we're hopefully going to sign the, uh, you know, an attacking threat in Ismail Assar. There are some Watford fans who, who would say we, we could do with a, a real, you know, threatening 20 goal a season striker, if you like. They're obviously hard to come by. They're obviously very expensive. Um, with three days left before the window shut, I don't think anyone's going to turn up. And I don't think there's a desire to, to have one really at the moment. One, one thing I would mention is that um, we have somebody on the way who could be quite exciting. Um, a, a Brazilian kid, 17-year-old kid by the name of João Pedro, um, who we've already signed from Fluminense, which is the same club that we signed Richarlison from two years ago. Um, he's believed to be the envy of some of Europe's biggest clubs already, um, but we've already signed him and he's apparently arriving in January. Might end up coming at the end of the season. But if he turns up in January and he's ready to go, he looks fantastic in what we've seen in Brazil. He's very young. Who knows how good he'll be, but... The Pozzo family are always thinking one step ahead. They'll have people ready. They'll have people to replace Troy Deeney if he leaves at the end of the season. They'll have someone to replace Decore if he does go to Everton in a few days. So I'm fairly happy with where we are. I don't think we need major surgery. It's about kind of retaining what we've got and maybe adding one or two. That's all sort of very promising then. I have to say as well, uh, I watched Watford up at Newcastle in January in the FA Cup and... Uh, Shalabar was actually one of the best players on the pitch, which I was surprised because he hadn't played for a while. But uh, he obviously got quite a bit of strength and depth. I think he, yeah. I think he made an England squad as well. After making he did. Like, no he game. played against Spain for about two minutes in that <laughs> victory over, over in Spain. Well, there you go. He's, uh, he's obviously highly rated. Um, all right, then. So you're obviously fairly fairly confident with Watford's season ahead. Nothing to worry about. Um the only question I've got for you, other question I've got for you, which I'll ask everyone as well, is: Will your manager see out the season? <laughs> well, over recent seasons and recent years, that that has been far from guaranteed at Watford. But Javi Gracia is now the the longest reigning manager of of the uh, Pozzo era, um, and he seems really well set. He seems the perfect fit for us. He he doesn't mind being the man who just has to coach the players. He's not someone you know, in stark comparison to his predecessor, Marco Silva, who feels like he needs to be involved in everything and needs to be the star of the show. So I would say, uh, if I was a betting man on this, I would say that he would still be here next season. That's good. I quite like him as a as a manager. He seems, uh, as you say, he seems to call a spade a spade and just be done with it. He's kind of a no-frills kind of manager, which, uh, which I think is sometimes what you need, um, especially when you've got the likes of, you know, your Pardews out there who just want to make headlines out of nothing, um, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. All right, um, speaking of Pardew, one of his former clubs, Southampton. Alex, are you, are you, uh, are you still with us? 
I am still with you. Oh, good. Um, a lot of people are tipping Southampton as kind of a, a dark horse this season. Um, maybe not to the extent of finishing as high as seventh, but certainly pushing the top half. Um, if Hassan Hoodle had been in charge for all of last season, I think that probably wouldn't have been unfair. Is that in line with your expectations? I wouldn't say that high. Um, it, it's certainly going to be an improvement on, on last season. Obviously, he came in off the back of Mark Hughes and, and did relatively well to instil some of his ideas quite quickly. Um, I, I would suggest most media predictions I've seen have, have had us somewhere between 12th and 10th, and I think that's a reasonable expectation at this point. I mean, the, the big sign is, is Che Adams. Um do you think he'll be able to make the step up from the championship? Yeah, I, I, mm, I, I would hope so. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd hope so. Like, <laughs> I kind of goes without saying. <laughs> um, I, I think there's there's quite a lot about his shooting technique, which is good. Um, about his ability to finish from relatively unpromising situations. Um, I think what's going to be crucial for us is is goals because. Hassan Hootl definitely significantly improved the, the defensive output. He got the pressing much higher, and after a, a pre-season where he's going to be able to get his ideas across more concretely and, and uh, more uh, intelligibly, then that that is going to improve. He also worked wonders improving the um, concession of chances from set pieces, so that was a nice quick win for us towards the end of last season. But we haven't had a decent goal scorer since you know Graziano Pella and Sadio Mane were at the club, so somebody needs to come in and and step up with that, while not um, diminishing you know the the kind of overall team plan of um, defending from the front, pressing high, working very very hard. I think Nathan Redmond is going to be crucial. He improved significantly uh, under Hassan Hutel, and I think. He's exactly the kind of manager to get the best out of Redmond, who's a player I, I really, really enjoy watching. But it's it's going to be tricky, I think, necessarily to, to kind of integrate Adams from the off. And I, I'd probably be expecting Ings to start more regularly as, as a central striker with, with two kind of wider players flanking him. One of them will be Redmond. It feels like Ings has, has always either got an injury or just come back from an injury. Is, uh, is that showing any signs of getting better, or is he uh, is he still carrying a few? Well, I mean, we spent more money on him so far than we spent on anybody else, which <laughs> is either incredibly stupid or an indication that our medical department is confident that we'll get reasonable mileage out of him. Um, obviously, I, I don't know which. Um, but, you know, he has the experience. He is a good goal scorer um, when, you know, when he's fit and is able to get a, a run of form together. Um, and, you know, we still have Shane Long kicking about. So if we if we want to play, you know, Hassan Hoodl has played two up front before. It's it's not his generally preferred formation, but it is what he used during his tenure at Leipzig. That's partly because Ralph Raniak uh, tends to prefer a certain style of formation and the managers often have to kind of dovetail in with that. But um, Shane Long is, is able to fulfil that that sort of use of Paulson role up front alongside somebody who's, you know, a bit more mobile. Maybe Adams would, would fit in with that. But, you know, we've, we've got we've got options up front without necessarily having kind of riches up front, I think is probably the, the fair way to put it at this point. Yeah, and another thing that uh, Hasanut did a lot of last year was he brought in a lot of 
younger players, um, pretty much academy players to be honest in, in, a, in a lot of the cases. And looking at the minutes played this pre-season, there's quite a lot of academy players had a number of minutes. Now some of that's down to you know players come back from international duty, that kind of thing. But are you expecting more to uh, to make the breakthrough this year, or is, is is what you see what you get now? Um, I think Michael Oberfemi. Um, with with fitness concerns, um, I think he's coming off a relatively serious injury. But once he's back fit, I would expect to see him uh, getting minutes. Um, Slattery's been playing a bit. Obviously, Jan Valerie took the step up um, last season very very effectively. So I'd expect to see him continue um, in what I think is really quite a good wing back pairing. Him and Ryan Bertram when Bertram's fit. Um, I, I'm not sure necessarily that there's many others that are ready to step up. Um, and, and there's, I think it's, it's relatively promising that there's a couple of players who aren't kind of academy players, but are still quite young. So I'd expect to see Angus Gunn starting in goal. Um, Bednarak, I hope, will get more minutes as well. Um, so there are certainly people who, who have kind of already transitioned from that that proper sort of under twenty ones bracket in, into the main squad. Um, I'm, I know we we purchased gun, but I mean in terms of age. Um, but I I wouldn't necessarily expect to see any kind of seventeen or eighteen year olds bursting through at this point. I think he's, I think he's not scared to do that. So if if there are players um, who who show enough um, people like Will Smallburn, for example, um, then I think they'll be given an opportunity. But I, I would say our squad is a little bit bloated rather than anything else. I, I think there's probably room to prune a few people rather than be actively looking to promote others. Yeah, I mentioned Charlie Austin earlier is, is one of the one who seems to have been uh, transfer listed for, for an old school term. Um, are you surprised at how he's fallen out of favour? Um. I think it's tricky. I mean, you know, we've we've had a succession of, of players come in and try and fill that centre forward role, and Guido Carrillo still on the books, who was somebody who I had actually relatively high expectations for based on on sort of glimpses of him at, at Monaco. Um, Sofian Buffal was supposed to be this kind of exciting jaggy winger that we needed to to generate momentum and, and dribbling and so on, and that's obviously not worked out. So we've gone and got um, Dejempo instead. Um, I think in terms of Austin, yeah, it's, it's difficult to know why it's not worked out, and I I do wonder, you know, to what degree the um, the difficulties of of Hughes's kind of tenure impacted, particularly the forward line. I mean, Hughes, generally speaking, didn't seem to have not just a preferred system, but even particularly a preferred style. Uh, and I imagine in a team that is quite good at creating chances, but quite bad at finishing them, which is Southampton's problem really for about the last four or five years, um, that could really affect a striker's confidence. So, you know, if Austin moves on, it wouldn't surprise me to see him start doing well again somewhere. Uh, I just think his his time with us has probably come to an end. And, and I would say that that applies to a number of other players as well. Yeah, and I suppose on that note... Kind of Southampton's Achilles heel in recent years has been that you know your, your best players have been cherry picked mostly by Liverpool. Um, so far, there's some hasn't really been any sign of that. There's only really bad target of any note who's, who's left. Um, do you think there's any any others in danger over the next couple of days, or do you think what, you'll probably start the season with more or less what you've got now? There's been some talk about uh, interest in Mario Lamina, um, 
who again, as someone who's sort of flattered to deceive, I mean, when he moved from Juventus, I, I was very encouraged by that. He's a kind of Nabi Keita light, you know, he's, he's a good press resistant midfielder. He's a good dribbler. He carries the ball forwards. Well, again, it's just not kind of worked out. And, and I think, you know, I think Southampton is, is a club in transition. You know, we obviously had a, a, a brand of football that, that was attractive on the pitch, um, you know, going back to the kind of the Pochettino era and actually even under Atkins when we, when we were promoted, um, and there's been, I think, uh, some stuttering of that, and also of the the sense of of how we go about creating the team. So the you know the promotion of younger players taking a chance on on exciting talents, and I, I feel like some of the players who could well have come in and done well, for example, a Lamina or a Charlie Austin, have have suffered from this lack of certainty around what's supposed to be happening on the pitch and a kind of slightly scattergun approach to transfers. Now, I have a huge amount of time for Hassan Hüttel as a manager. I, I watched um, stuff of his at Ingolstadt uh, and because Tifo work on the Bundesliga, I was fairly you know, um, yeah. au fait with him from his time at Leipzig. And he is a fantastic manager. Um, and I think that, that you know it was very clear to see the changes that he implemented very, very quickly having come in. So with time to to bed down get those ideas across very very similar to Jurgen Klopp I think it you know when you've got that kind of style of football it's not something that you can just impress upon a squad overnight it takes time you know you pressing is not just chasing the ball willy-nilly it's it's a very organized very systematic approach to defending it takes time to get that across um I think we'll see a much more coherent squad I think we'll probably see fewer selections in terms of players used players more consistently getting minutes in particular kinds of roles and I think the the, the team will certainly benefit from that Alright then, so all in all you're fairly confident of a kind of mid-table-ish finish um, anything else we should look out for this year? Um, uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Hoiberg um, there was a good piece on Statsbon and the, the set of previews that they've been running for Premier League sides which pointed out that, that Southampton still kind of are missing a progressive passer. Now, you know, Hassenhutl employs quite a direct style of football and, and I would expect to see the wing-backs heavily engaged in that. But I would like to see Hoiberg becoming more of a kind of creative driving force and, and supplying a lot of passes with Ward-Prowse ideally being able to do something similar. Although, you know, I think Hoiberg's probably better at that. You know, this, this is the guy who Pep Guardiola had kind of earmarked as a successor to Philippe Lahm as um, you know, Bayern's sort of go-to guy in that intelligence-required yeah. defensive midfield position. So, yeah, again, not not a player who's necessarily developed to the degree that was expected, but I think there's, there's still the makings of somebody very talented in there, and I, I think this could be the season where we kind of, discern whether or not he's going <laughs> he's going to be one of the next lot of Southampton's good players that gets picked off by somebody bigger well, hopefully for your sake he doesn't um, but you never know do you you never do you no. never do um, alright then let's move along the south coast then to uh, to Mike and Brighton um, Mike we touched on this a bit earlier on but Graham Potter's in um, it seems like it's almost all change Um What's what's your take on where you are just two days before the season starts? 
Yeah, I mean, as you say, it, it is all change. It's um, it's kind of an unknown quantity, really. I mean, it's very difficult to predict. I mean, the, the, in terms of friendlies, we've had different formations played. Um, each they've just obviously signed um, Webster from Bristol City, who's a sort of ball playing defender. So it, it's looking like it's going to sort of be three at the back. I, I think there was concern from a lot of people that 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 might have meant like that signing might have meant that Lewis Dunk might be moving on. Um, to, to to you know, there's there's going to be this shuffle now. Um, you know, with United signing the Harry Maguire. So, um, but Potter's uh, said fairly confidently that, that he's going to still be here. Um, so it's looking like it's not going to be him who's going to be moving on. So, so yeah, three at the back. I would, I would assume is going to be his 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 sort of start out to see how that goes. But he's as I said earlier, he's he's prone to to change formations and things even even within a game or you know certainly from game to game um depending on personnel and and who the opposition is so it's it's yeah i mean it's all changing obviously we had um one of our players uh, one of sort of fans favorites knockout moved on to fulham on loan which was kind of a strange move but i think th- there's obviously going to be some kind of potential for him to go there permanently end of the season but depending on how we do and and how his replacement does um and how he does um you know there's obviously options for him to just come back uh, in the summer so it's sort of split split the fans i think that one because a lot of people have been quite sentimental and sort of you know really sad to see him go but um you know in kind of you know if you're going to be sort of honest about his performances last season he wasn't particularly productive um you know as was with most of most of our squad it was uh you know, we weren't really geared to be to be pressing the opposition. It was very much a defensive, you know, a containing exercise, I think, um, which tends to be what you get with Hutton. I mean, he was great, but I think what's you know we've we've managed to stay up two seasons, and I think you know from the the structure of the club in terms of the board and how they're geared now, they're looking to push on from that, and I think a new brand of football is is what they feel is required and it will certainly be you know interesting to watch because it, yeah it certainly was the last the second half of last season was a bit of a drag to be watching every week yeah it seemed like it was a bit of a struggle towards the end of the season in particular um yeah. that, that hi hello Ian. Well, i think i have a working phone a uh, working laptop finally many apologies for all that <laughs> some it was something to do with the hdmi cable Oh really? Well, who knows? It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't working. It wasn't picking up the speakers on the laptop because the laptop is also plugged into the TV. Ah, well, so who knows? There you go. Tech support. Anyway, I have been sitting listening intently for the last however long. Oh good. We're going to do do a Q and A for you later on, but uh, oh right, okay, we'll okay, just, just see how, much, right. how much attention you've been paying. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, Mike. So we we're just saying, uh, basically, Brighton were utterly terrible towards the end of the season. Um, yeah. And that that the five nil loss at Albany was a Bournemouth at, at home. Who they were kind of on the beach and they still turned you over. Um, it was yeah, that was a nice one to watch. Yeah. That that, that, <laughs> that, that followed by the, the Cardiff loss seemed to be what broke the the uh, the, the camel's back for Hewton anyway. Well, well, yeah, and I mean that uh, you know, I mean you can not forgive those kind of results, but you know the fact that we were in a position where, you know, we're looking at going down if we don't, you know, scramble a few points. So that, those were like the, the kind of games we were looking at and thinking, hey, you know, we could 
you know, we should be all right. We should be all right. I was constantly, I go to the games with my little boy and I'm constantly saying, you know, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. <laughs> and it was like, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm saying that on the way and then I'm leaving like with my head in my hands, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm looking at the fixtures and thinking, we're running out of games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's obviously not nice when, you, when your team's almost a dead duck like you were towards the end of the season. You kind of think if the game, if the season had gone for another three or four games, you'd have been in. Oh yeah, yeah. We were, we were almost saved by running out of fixtures. To be <laughs> honest. Yeah. Well, that and you know, Neil Warnock couldn't couldn't get Cardiff to beat a couple of relegated teams. And uh, no, but but they were close though. Yeah, <laughs> they were closer they were. than than was comfortable. Yeah, definitely. They, they they didn't really get the rub of the green. Like, but uh, no. Again, it's Warnock, so you can kind of forgive that. It's it's just, yeah. it's just a, a natural <laughs> thing that will happen over time. Um, you've spent <laughs> you spent quite a bit of money this summer. Uh, yeah. More pay is rumoured to be around the 20 million mark. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It's one of these yeah, undisclosed... Yeah, that's what's been reported. I've seen people saying that it's a bit less, but with add-ons. Yeah. Um, but, it's, you know, it's thereabouts, isn't it? Yeah, then you've got uh, Webster at another 20 million. Um, yeah. Again, that to me looked like a dunk replacement, but if, if you're going to three at the back, then maybe not. Um, yeah. Clark from Portsmouth. Um, I'm guessing that's probably not for, not for the immediate future, but certainly... Yeah, some, I mean, he's point. been... He's been loaned out um to to derby i think it is, oh, is he? Oh, right. yeah so i think he played his last game his first game for them rather i think it was yesterday or the day before yes and then once again you've been back to uh those great leagues of holland and belgium to buy uh, mm-hmm. is it is it Tro- i don't know, trossard or trossard yeah Le- leando trossard yeah from from genk who who looks you know it's it's difficult i mean he looks great um you know, he was captain there last season and quite a few goals, lots of assists. So he's quite creative. I think he's obviously the immediate, the, you know, the, the direct replacement for, for knockout in the hope that he's going to produce. He, you know, he's assisted two goals in the friendly the other day. So he's looking like, you know, potentially going to be a really good player. But we like you, like you, you've sort of suggested there, we've been down this road with players from that league who, you know, uh, you know, we had um, Izquierdo who seems to be, yeah, he can, he can he capable of sort of a great moment, but you know maybe twice a season, which isn't really enough. Yeah, and I mean Lacardia is another one who. Lacardia, of course. Yeah, I mean he, again, I think people are sort of hoping that him and Andone as well, who came in um, from the Spanish league, that those two can kind of maybe you know settle in a bit better this season and see what they can do as well as his Kierdo. Obviously, that all three of those are still are still available and in the squad. Yeah. I don't know whether any of those are going to be moved on now. Um, I mean, th- there was, I heard talk of of at least a couple of those players just feeling, you know, sort of low in morale in terms of what they were being asked to do tactically in terms of, as I said earlier, just being set out to contain rather than having the freedom to play. So who knows? That Maybe they're, maybe they're great players and they were just shackled by the tactics, but, you know, who knows? Well, at this point, I mean, I've always made this point as well. You can pretty much every professional football would love to have a free rule, but that's it's absolutely not, yeah. you know, professional football is about playing to a system and you know yeah. tr- trust the manager to get the most out of the team. But um, I want to ask you about about two players. Um, okay. uh, Basuma, who I thought got better and better as the season went on, um, yeah. aided by playing the cup games to begin with, and then kind of you know getting in the team. And for me, he looks like a bit of a talent. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, as you say, he came in and then obviously we had the injury to Gross, who was probably our best player. He was certainly our most effective player 
um, in terms of attacking the season before. So um, the injury to him obviously opened that space up, and that was that was the that was Basuma's door in. So and yeah, he looks he looks a great all round player. He's he's you know he's he's quick, he's strong, um, half decent in a tackle. But in terms of like bursting forward, um, it's that's something he can do, uh, which which yeah you know certainly a sort of player we can do with really. I mean what what tended to happen? We were so deep most of the time last season that whenever he would make that kind of you know burst forward um you know like like we said earlier murray was the sort of the front man and if he's you know if he's relatively deep basuma would sort of break forward and then you know he's he's the man up the top there's no one for him to kind of feed and i don't know whether he's yet the kind of player that's going to be you know i think he's more of a creator than than a finisher um and so he was kind of you know sort of stifled by that there was no one to feed really um, so it'll be it'll be good to see what he can produce this season because, like you say, he's he does look very good. And then the other one, kind of the other side of the coin, is uh, Jahan Bash. Um, I probably said that yes. wrong, but uh, just this typical trap of he's either the top scorer in the Dutch league. He must be good. And then I think someone told me today that he, he set the record for the most games without uh, a goal or an assist. There, none. He had none the whole season. Not a single assist or a goal. He. Um... He, yeah, I would love to say that he kind of looked all right, but uh, yeah, he didn't really do anything. Um, run around a bit, um, you know. Things. I mean, what stands out, and whether this is just the sort of the negative, you know, it, it had gone so long that he wasn't really producing, and there was obviously this, you know, it was a record signing. There was a lot of hype. Um, it was just kind of you know misplacing passes and things that were kind of like hey, this can't be, this can't be. You know, we've been we've been had here this is the same guy um so again he, he falls under the same bracket as we were saying with with Lucardia and and you know it's going to be interesting to see what he can produce apparently he's looked good in pre-season um but it remains to be seen a- again it, it people are sort of putting it down to how the team was set out or um in terms of you know not being very favorable to those kinds of players so it will be, you know, I think, again, it's part of the reason they brought Potter in. I think initially they brought players in to maybe play that kind of more expansive, more attacking football. Um, but then obviously if you've got the manager setting out, you know, formations and, and styles of play that that don't, you know, go to the best of those those players' abilities, then it's not going to happen. But, I mean, it was a dreadful season. There's no, no excuse, you know, zero, zero contribution really yeah. for him. No, it's a uh, it's a low, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you can only get better from, so maybe it will. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we did a, a couple of previews last week, and uh, one guy said that in his mind Brighton were already down. They were one of the three spots. Right. Okay. Um, does anybody have any any big arguments against that? I'm assuming you will, Mike. Well, not a massive argument against <laughs> it, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say in terms of. In terms of our aim, it's it's still you know we've we've had two seasons now in the Premier League. You know it's the first time we've been up. So I would say first objective is to stay in the league still. Um, but like like you said, the you know the 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 chairman's investing in the playing staff, so they're ambitious. So you know it, it remains to be seen how the manager's going to you know adapt, how the new players are going to adapt. So it's it's like we said, it's very much a gamble. So it's 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 a real uncertainty. It's it's difficult for me to predict how we're going to do. To be honest, it's either going to be great or really bad. I think. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, I'm quite I'm quite intrigued by by Brighton, especially because they play Watford uh, at Vicarage Road in the first game of the season, yeah. repeat of the, the fixture last season. I think when that came out, a lot of our fans sort of were remembering the relative ease with which we beat you last season. Yeah, thinking, it was oh, a bad great, start. You know? But you know, new manager, as you've just outlined, the squad has changed in, in some key areas. Some interesting players coming up from the Championship. I'm a little bit little bit worried that you might turn up and you know be one of the real surprise big hits of the first day of the season it's going to be i think interesting to see how teams will approach us in terms of you know i couldn't even tell you how we're going to set out so you know i don't know you know they're going to be just an unknown quantity aren't they it's almost like when you've got a team that's come up that you don't know how they're going to you know how it's going to be it's basically like we're going to be a, a new team almost so yeah it's going to be interesting it's almost like a team who's hardly changed at all in Watford against a team who's, you know, mega change in uh, in Brighton. Yeah, so, yeah, just just it, that, yeah, in, the opposites. Interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, all right, then. So actually, Ian, you've got a, a soft spot for Brighton, have you not? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I I live near Brighton. Well, but um, that's as close to a, se- a seamless link as you're ever going to get on this podcast. Yeah, it's not, it's not my it's not my it's not my team. No. So uh, your team is Tottenham. Um, Spurs, Spurs yeah. um, who've been almost as inactive as uh, Watford, You've, although a lot more expensive in signing uh, in Dombele for £55 million. Um what, what do you know about him? Nothing. I, I mean, I, I, OK, I have quite a firm opinion on this. I don't think anybody knew anything about him last season apart from the people. Was he, play, he was playing in French League, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, I mean... I'd, I think there is a tendency for um, quite a lot of revision to happen when these hot young players suddenly turn up on the radar of the biggest clubs and a lot of people will be saying, oh, yeah, 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 I remember him from when he played for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I don't I don't listen to any of it. I'm not interested. <laughs> what my viewpoint on the subject is that I'll wait until he plays and see how it works out. You know, it's it can be exhausting trying to keep up with who's who um, these days, you know. And, uh, I mean, that's that's not always too much of a problem when it comes to incoming players at Tottenham Hotspur, but that's a slightly different matter. But um, now that the, the pool for players, the available pool for players is um, certainly pan-European and increasingly pan-global, um, I will hold my hands up, hands up immediately and say that I have no idea. My my way of watching football is that the first three or four weeks of the season are just spent figuring out who's who and who's doing what. Um, you know, which, which ones? Which ones? Is how am I going to be able to recognise them from a distance quickly in a few weeks' time? You know, so I can so I can do that fairly quickly. But for the first two or three weeks, I I I I don't watch the previews on 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 the TV or anything like that for the same reason that I don't watch um, I don't watch any of the build up to matches. Um, when if there's a if there's a match on Sky, I leave the television muted until kickoff, and then I mute it again at half time, and then I mute it again at full time, because I'd rather draw my own conclusions than be guided by you know 
uh, whoever it is they have on Sky Sports or BT Sport for a particular match. But Ndombele, you know, people who know about this sort of thing um, say that he's very good. And he seems, from what I can ascertain, that he fits the Pochettino mould of being sort of, I think, reasonably versatile, but still kind of having that 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 that, that one position, being um, strong and athletic and, and and capable of moving the ball forward, because that's really what a lot of it is about with Pochettino. It's about the speed of movement into attacking positions and 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 the coordination and fluidity of those kind of front four or five attacking players. And the whole team is built around that. The whole team is built on the basis of get the ball into that position quickly before the defences have the chance to, to get back and organise. And so if he's a player that can bring more of that into the team, then then all well and good. Uh, the problem is that when you go three successive transfer windows or two and a half successive transfer windows without bringing in any players, it starts to get too expensive to actually do it. And this is the argument that I've had about Manchester United. You know, I've, I've had this conversation more than once actually on our own podcast a few months ago, which is a they've left it too late. You know, they're now at the point where they've got to have to spend twenty five billion pounds. You know, just to get within the same ballpark as Manchester City and Liverpool. And the amount of money they're going to have to, they're having to spend to do this almost renders the project of doing it in the first place pointless because the Glazers ain't going to see any money of it out of it if they spend two, three hundred million pounds on the team again. Um, so I think that that Spurs, they're more like where they were this time last year than most of us would probably like to admit. So is my... Uh, no, it's, it's quite a thorough answer. Um so, with all that said, then, are you expecting Spurs to finish top four, or do you think this could be uh, the dropout? Because it's a bit, of a bit of a funny one this year, with obviously Chelsea having the ban, and Arsenal and Man United falling over each other and not by anybody. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, under normal circumstances, I would say, yes, I would expect them to drop out the top four, and no, I wouldn't be particularly bothered about that. You know, the world will keep turning, football matches will keep being played. If Spurs aren't in the Champions League, I'm sure I'll live. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you look at Arsenal under Emery isn't quite working, is it? It's just not quite working. It's not. It's not Arsenal. Lampard at Chelsea. I have absolutely no idea how that works, how that happens. It worked in 2012 with Martin, uh, not Martinez, with um, uh, say uh, Yes, thank you. So uh, short, terrible short-term memory these days. It worked then because they had a squad of players that had players like Frank Lampard in it and John Terry and what have you, and Ashley Cole, and they'd all been knocking around there for years. And they were all old pros. And those guys can kind of largely disregard, you know, who the manager is and get on and sort it out themselves. This batch of Chelsea players, I'm not so sure about that. So I have no idea whether Chelsea are going to be any good this year or not. It's the same with Manchester United, you know, who I 
saw described this week as they 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 they're a football club at the moment who are who are making a very good job of looking busy, and um, and so three of those six, you know, and the three who Spurs would probably consider to be their direct competition, um, have all got their significant faults this season, significant flaws. Two of them, you might argue, haven't even got very good managers. I don't know if Frank Lampard's a very good manager or not. All I know is that he didn't get Derby promoted last season. And um, Solskjaer, well, oof, you know, he was at Cardiff. He gets a free pass on that because Cardiff were just a basket case at the time. And I don't really see anything very much apart from like this kind of momentum of him not being Jose Mourinho, which kind of carried them through that run at the start of his time there. So there are enough faults going on in the other teams because it's going to be two out of four, isn't it? There's enough to, there's enough going on at two, two of those other teams that makes you think actually all hope isn't necessarily dead. And that, that what for that's what really is is almost irritating me in a way is that Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United and Spurs have all got their problems and they've all got kind of different problems. Now it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Let's um let's leave it there so you can all get on with your evenings but uh thank you all very much for uh for taking the time out to chat with me tonight. Um let's just quickly pimp your socials so uh, Ian where can people find you on Twitter and I know you've got podcasts and things yeah you can find me on Twitter at 2HT D-T-W-R-H-T which was a spelling mistake 10 years ago and uh, I've decided to stick with it <laughs> it's actually supposed to be T-W-R-H-P oh. but I hit the wrong button on the keyboard and I kind of didn't even realise and you couldn't change your Twitter ID at the time without opening a new account Oh, so I always thought it was like something to do with 200%, but... Oh, it is, yeah. It's supposed to be 2 yeah. and then H and a P, but oh. it's not. <laughs> it's just, you know... Fair enough. Uh, David, where can people find you to discuss Watford? You can get me on, on Twitter at D underscore C underscore W. Good stuff. Uh, Alex, where can people find you and all your T4 goodness? Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, AFH Stuart with an EW and we are TFO Football underscore... Brilliant. That is a it's a very very interesting uh, series on on TFO if you ever want to get into the in depth workings of any of the the managers um, Alex and the team there will, will take you through it. Particularly from my point of view, the uh, the Benitez one you did like was last year or the year before was, was absolutely spot on. It was. Uh, oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, and Mike, last but not least. Yeah, I've, uh, Twitter's probably the best. I've got um, handle Corinthian Head, or for Brighton specific stuff, I'm Seagull Shouts. Very nice. And when is the uh, the Corinthians book coming out? It's still a work in progress. It's it's probably next year, you know. Oh, good. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, Thank me, you. me and you have talked before about uh, our mutual love of these little figurines from yeah. Well, what's meant yeah, to be I'm our t- past, but it's still very much the present. <laughs> very much the present, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you very much. Uh, if you want to follow. Uh, the pod we're on twitter uh, at man on the post uh, i'm dave black and you can find me on twitter at cm9798 but until next time always remember to keep your man on the post mm-hmm.